right here on 95.7 The Game. Back to Willard and Diaz. And you know the old saying on this show, one of my faves. What are you doing? I'm listening. Is he? Is he listening? I just quizzed him out in the green room. and Is he listening or is he listening? Either one. Uh, and did he pass the test? No, he did not. Okay. Mark. <laughs> That's okay. So I hit him with a, I'm That's mad okay. at you. That's okay. No, it's, it's harder. Right. He's here already. It's easy to listen on your way in. I was asking him about Changeover 1 because he yeah. always likes, I was listening to the Changeover 1. Oh, I know. I hope Bonte's okay. He'll be all right. He'll pull through. Right. You know, I mean, you can't be sensitive around here. That's not that's the way it works. Um, I, do you know any group of friends, and I do consider all of us that, um, like, I mean, right? You can't be sensitive around your friends. Like a group of dudes? You can, but you got to go Taylor Swift. You got to shake it off. Shake it off. Yeah, you yeah. got to shake it off. Because yeah. we've all been sensitive. We've all had moments of sensitivity. Shout out Ralph Tresvan. And uh, I need a little sensitivity. It's a jam from wow. the 90s. You got to Google it. No, I know Ralph Thank you. That was, I'm coming off a guru conversation. That was so I'm, I'm thinking like the goo right yeah, now. Yeah, We've yeah. all had moments of sensitivity, but you got to shake it off. And it's hard in this business where you and I spend 15 and a half, 16, 17 hours a week just talking. And I'm sure there's times where I bug you and you bug me, but you got to shake it off. Yeah. Shake no, it off. That's uh, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, I try. You want to be down with the king, man. That's Thank what you. I try to tell you. You want to be down with the king. Look, you can't be worried about what other people say about you. Especially when you're the king. Know, well, here, here's the thing. And I'll say this directly to, to, to Bonte and Joe. I don't want to make our show about theirs, even though we all make our shows about each other. But like... Um, they're adorable at that age. That that's that's <laughs> wow. my response, and I don't mean that to sun them. But what are they both forty? Are they both forty? Bonte just turned, and Listen, Joe is just shy of it. Welcome to your forties, guys. Here's the cool thing: you're doing it wrong if you care what anybody else thinks. It's the whole cool thing about being forty. I wish we could fi- figure that out when we're twenty or thirty. But when you get to 40, man... Uh, just you wait. Come on. Well, you get north of 50, it's like, I mean, there are very few things. Other than a bad report from the cardiologist, right. almost nothing I mean, gets you going anymore. Don't, don't worry about it. You're you. You do that. And then we're all going to make fun of you. And you laugh it off. My gosh. All you need is... You just need more kids. That's 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 my that yeah. fix to everything. I'll say. Get some more kids. Because yeah, they'll tell you no. But my kids, I sat there at my daughter's birthday dinner the other night. All they did was make fun of me. That's it. And then at the end, they're like, here's the bill. I'm like, <laughs> so you're just sitting there and you've been crushed for an hour and a half. And they're like, now you get to pay hundreds of dollars for it. See you later, loser. Mm. Going over to my friend's house. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, just, I mean, come on. What, that's I, pretty funny. Right? I mean, that's that's what it is. Yeah. That's what it is. No, that's so, absolutely what it is. They'll, 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 they will take your ego and they will. What's trash day? What's trash day? For me, it's today. Today. Yeah, yeah it's today. Yeah, Cans right. out last night. Wednesday morning, man. I put the ego in that trash can. Every single week, and when the man paying the man car yeah. too, and then the, you know the truck beep beep beep. So there goes my ego again. Yeah, yeah. Just get ripped sideways every single day. It's all good. Doesn't matter. Yep. Yeah. Just keep waking up and doing the darn thing. All right. Uh, it's eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven. If you're just joining us, this just handed to me. Steph Curry's about to play some basketball. Not tomorrow. Well, there's optimism. 
Steph Curry's about to play some basketball. According and to I'm sources. I'm putting this story out this way. I told you already. When he starts putting out Kevin Hart graphics on Twitter, Steph's ready to play. These guys, I mean, it's all they do. It's all they know. So when that's taken away from this is why like retirement is so difficult for players, and you see a lot of careers go really sideways. Um, man, there was that documentary a number of years ago called Broke. You see what happens to athletes when they're not playing anymore because they don't know what to do with themselves, largely. Um, it's all they know. And so to me, if a, if a big-time player is suddenly visibly in a good mood, <laughs> means he's about to play. He's about to play. Did Clay Thompson ever look like he was in an awesome mood for two years? No. No. In fact, there were games where the game ended and he was just sitting there on the sideline with, cover his, his, face with his head times, down yeah. with a towel for an hour because it crushes them. So if Steph is dancing like he was last night and tweeting and we're getting this story, he's about to play basketball. The official word is uh, optimism that he'll return sometime on next week's three-game road trip. That's Sunday in L.A., Tuesday in Oklahoma City, Thursday in Memphis. Popcorn ready. No LeBron Sunday. OKC's been really wobbly. I don't need to tell you about Memphis. That's always a show. Big time show. And, uh, you know, you saw it in the, the win over the Lakers where Jaron Jackson Jr. disemboweled Anthony Davis with a follow slam. Clean play, I heard. Well, depends on uh, how you want to call it. I mean, the elbow to the head, don't let that get in the way of an otherwise pretty fun follow dunk. And I don't know if you saw this from Shams Sharania. I have not seen the Shams The Warriors tonight. have done something that all Warriors fans have been begging them to do for the entire year. Uh, They've got cut. a 15th man on, on the team now. Oh. Lester Quinones has been signed to a 10-day contract, averaging 21 a game for Santa Cruz this year. He's got a 10-day. They've got a 15-man okay. roster now. It's going to be... It, like, this is an under-discussed thing here in the month of March now that we're here. Like, how is this all going to shake down? The two-way players, uh, Jerome and, and, uh, and Lamb... And uh, obviously, Iguodala, is he going to start playing basketball? Now you got a 10-day with Quinones. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I will say this. I think the last week and a half, for people who spent early portions of February flicking Ty Jerome and dismissing Anthony Lamb and going, what are we doing? And, you know, that whole rant that, that Shasky went on to start the show the day after the Laker loss. How the hell does Lamb have as many minutes as Kaminga? Uh, Lamb again last night had some sneaky big plays. He had some sneaky, smart, important second half plays. And I don't know. I, I think it's been a good couple of weeks. It's been a good post break for both Ty Jerome and Anthony Lamb. Anthony Lamb's got three to go. Three games left. Okay. He's got three games left, at which point you got to decide whether or not you want to give him a roster spot for the rest of the year, guaranteed, or you say, thank you, next, Ariana Grande. Ty Jerome's got 10 more games. So maybe the Quinones signing is to slow play Lamb because he's got three games left to go. So maybe Lester gets those minutes over the next 10 days during a 10-day contract, and you give Anthony Lamb a week off to where you can maybe stretch him out a little bit longer because you're running out of roster spots. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I haven't seen Quinones play. He's a six foot five kind of swing man, um, but you know, so big enough that 
He's got a body that can do some of the things Lamb does, I guess. It'd be interesting. Maybe that's exactly what it is. Maybe he misses some games on this road trip, and uh, and this is another body to slow play the whole thing. But I don't know. What a slow play. Like, you're going to have to make this decision here in the next you are. two to three weeks. Right. But if you've got Steph Curry coming back, and you've got Gary Payton II hopefully coming back, and if Wiggins is coming back, well, then maybe... Anthony Lamb isn't as needed down the road as you would have thought. So maybe if you can hold him at 48 or 49 games as an insurance policy while these other guys come back and take his minutes, that makes some sense. Uh, With this Steph Curry news and also I think a Brock Purdy conversation will need to happen again. The good doc is 20 minutes away. And last week it was Dr. Brian Feely. We talked to him about Brock Purdy. I'm interested to see if Doc Pandia uh, concurs with uh, with Doc Feely, that the uh, the continued inflammation that they're finding in Brock Purdy's elbow uh, is not a concern, and and so there's a meeting coming up this weekend in Arizona with regard to Brock Purdy. If all goes well, surgery happens next week. If it does not, then I think the rumor mill starts to turn because free agency for in the NFL is less than two weeks away, and if Brock Purdy cannot have this surgery next week. Doesn't it start to move down the road of like, well, now it's starting to feel like week one is unlikely. And we'll play this for you in a little bit, too. John Lynch said some things about Trey Lance yesterday that I think if you start putting puzzle pieces together, it's a clue that they're they're not terribly comfortable yet with what they've seen from Trey Lance. They're not ready to just be like, yeah, he, he can be our starter for however long we need him to be. Right. And I think you saw that last year in the way they used him and the way Kyle Shanahan ran him into the ground, as I like to say, Mark, to, to try to draw a reaction from you and all the Kyle Shanahan stands because you don't run Trey Lance the way you ran him unless you aren't totally sold on his ability to do what Brock Purdy yep. did. I know Brock Purdy's not the runner that Trey Lance is, but when Brock Purdy came off the sideline, he immediately was throwing the ball all around the park because they had more faith in him. By the way, uh, this from Anthony Slater, and it helps explain what they just did with Quinones. So here's the rule, and I know this gets really kind of tough for, for people to follow, but Anthony Lamb's at 47 games. Ty Jerome is at 43. You're, you're a math major. 47 plus 43 equals? That's 90, Mark. Okay, if you have a vacant 15th spot, two-way players can only combine for 90 games. And they have. They have now reached that limit. Filling the 15th spot, enter Lester Quinones, stretches the two-way combined game limit to 100. So now you know why they just signed a 15th spot. Okay. There you go. And it's interesting about the two-way combined total because Ty Jerome's only played in 40 games. But the fact that he was available on the roster... Active 43 times. So that when I talked about his number being 40, I misspoke because he actually had three games where he was on the game day roster and didn't play. And those count. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So anyway, either way you look at it, this is coming right down the stretch and some decisions are coming really soon with how they're going to shape the roster. And it coincides with uh, with Steph re-entering. Potentially Wiggins at some point, and then don't forget GP2 looming, you hope, at the end of the month. All right, back to the phones at 888-957-9570. Sophomore in Pacifica here on uh, Willard and Dibs. Hey, Sophomore, what are you doing? Gentlemen, gentlemen, okay, I'm sitting here with a comment and a question that I've been burning to share this stuff with you. So the comment is, first of all, the whole season we've been waiting for the Warriors to flip the switch. They flipped the switch. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to win every game from here, but don't worry too much about their road record. You know, they're on. 
uh, a certain Clay Thompson kind of rose from the scrap heap that some people were wanting to put him on to dominate. Uh, what do you want from these guys, right? Uh, Curry's coming back. I, I'm optimistic. Again, we're not going to win every game, but we're not going to have as happy a road record from here to now as going forward. Steve Kerr is starting to game plan every game like it's a playoff game. That's got to help. Uh, and that's my comment. So take take courage. I think things are going to go well. And I think top six, top six is going to happen. And what's uh, the question, sophomore? Because I want to respond to that, but I don't want to clip your question. What's the question? Okay, okay thank you. And I'll drop the question and then thank you. Uh, the question is, uh, that guy, Valalela, sounds great on the radio. And it seems like he's doing a good job. But was there a drop-off this year? from Mike Brown to Jamal Malalele. Well, so first off, Mike Brown did not turn into Jamal Malalele, if you will. Jame is not the defensive coordinator of this team. That's Kenny Atkinson. So um, th- was there a drop-off from Mike Brown to what's happening this year? Listen, we've heard a lot of people bring up Mike Brown uh, going to the Sacramento Kings as one of the reasons why the Warriors have had defensive struggles. I have a hard time putting it at the top of the list. I I, I, I I guess it is a factor, but when, when you're talking about some key, even interior pieces defensively, uh, Otto Porter, then, uh, you know, GP2 being off the roster, trying to fill those in with people like DiVincenzo, Jermichael Green, trying to enter James Wiseman into the fray at the beginning, and he is not a good or certainly was not then a good defensive player. I uh, Here's what I always think about. I, I think coaching in, in pro sports is very important, but I also think it's overrated. That's what I think. Um Phil Jackson was a Zen master. Yep. And then he came back without Kobe and Shaq, and he was very average. Uh, Does Bill Belichick still look like a master, like he's running the NFL? No. So it it always comes down to the players first. And there's a different uh, calculus this year to the Warriors' defense that has not worked like last year. I think it comes down to the players first more in the NBA than the other big two. Agreed. In terms of not to say that Steve Kerr doesn't do a good job of putting his players in position. And Jama Malalela, when he joined us, talked about what they actually do at halftime. And it's basically showing a couple things they need to make adjustments on and then the players seeing it and realizing it. And you go out there and you execute it. Now, last night was a good example, I think, of the coaching, the superior coaching that the Warriors had versus Chauncey Billups on the Portland side. Because Portland... All of a sudden comes out of the locker room, up 17. The Warriors are playing boxing one on their best player, and they made no adjustment. The only adjustment was keep shooting threes, guys. Right, right. Yeah, and the the other thing is, I think then you also have to look at what is Mike Brown doing. Now, Mike Brown's role is different with the team. He's not the defensive coordinator anymore. He's the head coach with the Sacramento Kings, and they're doing a great job, but they're not winning with defense. That's not how the Kings are doing it. The Kings are outscoring people. So it's not like he's up there and put some great defense together as well. Uh, Charles in South City is next up here on Withered and Dibs. Hey, Charles, what are you doing? Happy Warriors Wednesday, guys. How are you? Uh, we are so good, Charles. Thank you, sir. <clears throat> we, the fans, are very happy after hey. last night's performance. Watching Clay, Paul, Draymond, pretty much the whole starting five do what they did on the floor. Coming back from a 17-point deficit, 
I said it like going into halftime. I said if they could pull out a comeback and keep the lead and just win the game, that'll be three straight. And uh, after watching last night's performance, um, I kind of see a little bit of a turnaround. Um, now let's limit expectations a little bit on this team. Don't get me wrong; I'm a Warrior fan. I love them, but we ain't quite near really near the end yet. We got 20 games left, and we we did, we're doing this well, uh, Wiggins and Steph. Imagine what we could do with them on the floor. Imagine. I, yeah, well, I believe me. We imagine it, Charles, thanks. We imagine it every day. However, I have no idea when we're going to see it again at uh, at full strength. And there's always that, like, you know, you got to sort of, like, find your flow again when big-time players come back on the floor. Listen, I, I this goes to the, even the, uh, the, the previous caller when Sophomore was like, look, they flipped the switch. I, I'm going to tap the brakes on that. You can tell me that that was the moment, like at halftime last night, the Warriors finally collectively flipped the switch. Steph's not even there. Houston, Minnesota, and Portland. Wiggins is not even there. If you really flip the switch, you don't fold behind by 23 at home against the Portland Blazers. I'm all for the positivity of today. That was an inspirational second half performance. It was encouraging, and the Warriors are the five seed. But Jama also said, you lose the next two games, and you can be the 11 seed by Friday night when we go to bed. Yes. There is a long way to go, and more halves like last night need to happen before I'm going to start making any plans for Jim. Well, and it's a half. It's a half a yeah, basketball game a good against game. a team that's half. below 500 and not a playoff team. Houston's the worst team in the association. Portland is not a playoff team, and Minnesota is a 500 club that didn't have its second-best player in Caller Anthony Town. So if you want to talk about flipping a switch, then you go out there and you beat the Clippers. Then you go out there and you string together multiple games and you get further above 500. That's what Anthony Slater said to the Morning Roast. He said, I'm still waiting to see them get three games above 500, which they've had many opportunities to do, and they failed each and every time. You come out tomorrow and you beat a good Clipper team. I know the Clippers are, you know, flagging a little bit. They've lost three in a row and they're struggling a little bit, but they're still, I think, a team that you have to be oh, heck yeah. concerned with. If you go out there and you beat the Clippers without Wiggins and without Steph, now we can talk about maybe a switch being flipped. Yeah, I, I, it's this one's going to be interesting, these two games, because, again, it's two more teams that are in this Western Conference muck. It's two more teams that have a whole lot of offensive firepower. And when the Warriors come out like they did last night and they, they play sleepy defense for a half, man, they get down by 20 fast. Like, that thing was just going downhill so, so quickly. Um, and, and, you know, they're lucky that they were able to come out and put together a big effort, and Portland sort of fell into the trap and, and had a big half. So, listen, I, I just split the difference. Today is a day to celebrate. That was a very fun game, sure. and it was a big win. I didn't really come out of it, though, with declarations about the rest of the season. That I, I really didn't. You know, this, like, oh, they're going to win this now. They're going to be the five seed. They're going to, uh, like, all the things that were on the table last week are still on the table, and that was great, but I, 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 I need to see more. Right. I, I need to see more. Well, we've seen this a few times this year. You saw them win five straight at home earlier in the year. You beat Memphis, 
Charlotte, Utah, Portland, and Atlanta. Okay, those are NBA teams. Memphis is good. Charlotte, not really. Utah, I guess they thought they were going to tank. Portland, you've owned, and Atlanta straight up stinks. Well, then you lost the next three. Then in January, you won three in a row. You beat Memphis again, Toronto, and OKC. Then you lost a couple games, including a stinker against Minnesota. So every time we start to get our hopes up, this team goes on a little mini skid, and they go back to 500. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Doc Pandy is going to join us here in about seven minutes. And I wonder also, because John Lynch yesterday talked about the quarterback market. And we know that the 49ers are going to be on the quarterback market to a certain degree. I do wonder if it's this A to B, though. And this is one of the questions I want to ask Doc. If this surgery does not happen next week, how would it, how should it, change the way the 49ers go about the quarterback market with free agency starting in 12 days? Here, I can tell you what I would do. I think the 49ers slow play this. You, 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 like They've got to be involved in the QB market. I was driving around yesterday listening to Ray Ratto say that Jimmy Garoppolo is still on the table. And the reason he was saying that, I don't agree, by the way, but the reason he was saying it was, what if Garoppolo goes out and finds that his market is depressed again? Yeah. Is this the best spot for him? I'm going to... Well, he's right about that. Well, first In of terms all, of, I'd be surprised yeah. if, the, if the market is depressed. I would be too. Number one. Well, because there's a lot of teams that need a QB, and he is a QB. Yeah, and number two, even if it got to the point of, like, all you can get is one of those spots where you compete for a gig, I think Jimmy will choose one of the other spots. He might. Not here. But we don't know if the Shanahan-Garoppolo relationship is broken beyond repair. Nobody knows that. And that's right. one thing that that Ray was saying. I agree with you in terms of slow playing because when free agency starts, the QB-hungry teams are going after the long-term, multiple-year QBs, trading for Aaron Rodgers, signing Derek Carr. Those pieces all go first. The Niners Garoppolo. aren't in that market. Yeah, yeah. well, but Maybe even, Garoppolo. But even the big backups, and I don't even know if they, they want to be called that, but take the, the Carson Wentz, the Andy Dalton, all, all those names that, that, that we've heard. What, it's not why would the 49ers want one of them? Why would they want the 49ers? Right. That's what I, I keep looking at this and going, if I'm the Niners, just wait. Let other people overpay bad quarterbacks or who knows. Maybe some there's an Aaron Rodgers trade. There could be a Lamar Jackson trade. This could all happen. So let all that dust settle. And I promise you there'll be some people left who would be intriguing as QB3 um, unless you really know, like this is what I would wait for on March 13th. If the 49ers really, really know that something is not good with Brock Purdy, then is there a scenario where the 49ers play big in the QB market, which also would suggest that they don't love what they're seeing from Trey Lance. Right. That's what I've kind of said yeah. all along in terms of how they approach free agency will tell you everything you need to know about how they feel about Trey Lance because Trey Lance is going to be healthy. And if Trey Lance is good enough to be QB1 in their eyes, they're not going to do anything in the free agent market. They might bottom feed at the end of it, but if they don't believe in Trey Lance, you might see him fishing and sniffing for a bigger name. It's all brought to you by Fremont Bank. Full service banking, no compromises. So here comes Doc Pandia. The Brock Purdy question, the Steph news. We get to all of that with Doc Pandia. Coming up next on Willard and Dibbs. Now, back to Willard and Dibbs on 95.7 The Game. Bob Meyer.
tires in 90 minutes. Was it today when you referenced this song? And I, I apologize to the YouTubers. Oh. Mark was talking about, <laughs> even know. ain't nobody gonna break my stride. Uh, ain't nobody gonna slow me down. Was that today or yesterday? That was today. Okay. That was today. You know how these days all kind of mush together. I actually think it started the show. We started it, not the like the changeover, and then yeah. we then we did the hustle. But the very the, the the first, or maybe it was even the first. It was, yeah. First word, yeah. And then we can slow me down. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Whoa, no. Well done, Spadone. I got to keep on moving because. Great job, um, Spadone. Yeah, that's 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 just the way it is. Um, I hope that Bob Myers is not saying that. I got to keep on moving. Uh, he's ninety minutes away on the Stein Goo to show get today. Quinones. I think it's Thank you. Goo and JD though today, right? Yep. Yeah, Goo and JD yep. coming in here. They'll talk to Bob Myers in an hour and a half, and they will grill him on his future, and they will demand an answer right now. And like if he doesn't, PC you die. Yeah, if he doesn't give it to him, then they'll hang up on him. That's the plan. Let's see if they're able to execute it right here on Warrior Wednesday. Brought to you by Friedman's Appliance, trusted name since nineteen. Visit freedmansappliance.com today. It is time for Cleared to Play, everybody. We're going to take you inside the tent, get you updated on the latest injuries in the Bay. Proud to partner with UCSF Health on this segment and bring an associate professor of orthopedic surgery, Dr. Narav Pandya. Good doc. Hello. Hi, how you guys doing? Yeah, we're doing great. Good, good. We're doing even better because Steph Curry's coming back. Not sure exactly when, but it's going to be either Sunday, Tuesday, or Thursday. That is the word from the team based on that news, the word of scrimmaging, and just watching him move around the court while not in the game. What's uh, what's your thought here, Doc? Yeah, I think the scrimmaging is really the, the key part with any of these kind of soft tissue injuries around the knee. So. Yeah, obviously, you, you kind of go through the initial steps of getting pain and swelling down, and then you see him do individual work, and you're like, oh, that's a great sign. And then hearing his scrimmage is, is very, very good. So I think just really it's going to be based on how is his knee responding, how is it feeling after that scrimmage. And I think that's going to really determine what day he comes back. I wouldn't be surprised if there is a little bit of a minutes restriction early on because he's been, you know, obviously he's missed a decent amount of time both with the shoulder and now with his knee. Um, but I think everything points to a positive sign for him being back in the next couple of games. And, uh, Hopefully his knee responds well. He doesn't have any residual soreness, and uh, he can, can really help us in that in these last couple of games. Is part of the, I guess, unease in the timeline the fact that these are ligaments that we don't normally associate with uh, basketball-related injuries? Yeah, absolutely. We have really nothing to really compare against, you know, in terms of athletes. I mean, we have lots of data on people who have, like, bad, bad injuries from, like, traumas off motorcycles and cars. But if you look at athletes, we just don't know – Number one, how is the knee supposed to respond? Number two, what's normal soreness that you'll experience? Um, you know, like we know with a meniscus or with an ACL. So I think a lot of it is, okay, let's have him play. Like, what kind of symptoms is he having? Is this concerning or not? And then kind of increasing his load a little bit. So I think we are, there definitely are being more cautious with this. And I think it's, it's reasonable because we just don't know how players will respond with this kind of injury. So it's kind of a little bit of a give-and-take scenario and see how his body responds. Yeah, what, what's the re-injury risk at any point this month? I think it would be pretty minimal for this kind of injury. I mean, the way it really happened was this blow to the knee. So, I mean, you would have to imagine that he would have to get hit in that same area, um, which in and of itself is really rare to, to happen. Um, what you get a little bit more worried about is if he is coming back and there is any residual soreness, does he compensate and hurt something else? Does he, you know, turn an ankle or, or kind of, you know, have like a quad or hamstring strain? Curry's such a great athlete. I think there's a little low likelihood of that, and the medical staff is being really cautious. But that's what I get more worried about. Could there be some secondary issue? It would have to be like the exact same kind of blow that happens for that to occur. 
But Curry's had two injuries this year where it was really the right time, right place, and a weird low that happened with the shoulder and out with his knee. So hopefully those don't happen, and uh, there's a high likelihood he'll be able to play throughout the uh, throughout the season and into the playoffs. Yeah, a little bit of a freak injury for Steph Curry, and we hope he's back for the final dozen or so and ready to roll. Gary Payton a second. We don't know about his ability to come back with the adductor strain. Once he's able to resume basketball-related activity, what's his return to play like? You know, I think there will probably be a minutes restriction with him, but I think the way that they utilize him and they utilize him last year, that hopefully shouldn't be that much of an issue. I mean, if you can get 10 to 15 minutes of him when he starts, you know, hopefully at the end of the regular season of the playoffs, I think that'll be fine. And then him hopefully ramping up after that. The good news is that we do know after core muscle surgery, these adductor issues are a common source of pain if you are that 10% that continues to have issues. So I think as long as he gets this muscle kind of taken care of, he gets it rehabbed, he's fine. Um, the likelihood of this being an issue that he can't play through is pretty minimal. I mean, we did see with the Trailblazers, we did play with a little bit of discomfort. So I think that if there is some residual pain, but he's gotten that area stronger um, and he's playing for shorts first of time, I-, I think he should be fine. I don't anticipate this. You don't hear people sideline for core muscle injury for like their whole career. So I think just giving them time to rehab and get this right will place them in a position to uh, to be effective in the playoffs. Doc Pandia with us here every Wednesday, Willard and Dibs. All right, let's talk Brock Purdy. Uh, Doc Feely came on last week, did not sound any alarms based on inflammation still being preventative as far as them starting a surgery. Uh, do you concur? And what happens if they come to the same conclusion again this weekend? Yeah, I mean, that's always the worry that you have with these injuries. I and mean, I think we don't hear about this a lot in baseball players because it's kind of this slow degenerative process that happens. And, you know, Brock Purdy basically had, you know, an ACL-type injury to his elbow. So you're going to get a lot of swelling, a lot of stiffness. And I think with this kind of injury, because there's such a li- so little, you know, so few quarterbacks have had it, you want to optimize everything that goes on with that elbow. So you want full mobility. You don't want them to have any kind of residual nerve symptoms if that's the case. So. It assumes that the surgeon feels like this may potentially be something that clears up. So if there is still residual stiffness or swelling, then you do get, as you get further and further out from your date, then you worry about, okay, do we just have to go in there and take take the chance in terms of operating on this? Because then you're getting into more scar tissue. You're going to get stiffness just from waiting longer. So I do believe that he's probably pretty close to getting that stiffness and mobility back that it sounds like based on the reports, what John Lynch was saying was what prevented it. Um, and if you get in a good environment, then you have a better chance of optimizing outcomes. Now, the larger issue is, does that then push back the timeline? And that's what we don't know. And I think the one thing we need to consider is not necessarily how this may impact his throwing, but because this was a traumatic injury, how does his elbow hold up to people running into it all the time? Um, I think that's the big question that we won't know until he gets into the season, less so how his throwing accuracy will be um, when he comes back. And when he gets the internal brace, if he does avoid Tommy John, what is the, the rehab and the internal healing necessary before he's able to resume football-related activities? So typically with this kind of like if you do the repair internal brace surgery, most people can start throwing right around three months and essentially could – show up to training camp and, you know, kind of like month four, month five, and be without getting hit, doing most things. The data that we have in pitchers um, suggests that at six months, you're pretty much cleared for everything. So we don't have really good data to suggest when you're ready to have a 300-pound lineman fall on your elbow. Um, so I think that for most people, we'll transition that baseball data over and say, look, you're probably ready to go right around five or six months and take contact. Um, the tough thing is how the elbow responds. And if there's any residual pain or, or stiffness or mobility issues that could push things back. But Typically, 
you're ready to go in terms of seeing him throw it three months, then get back to pretty much everything at six months, assuming um, there's no other damage that they see when they're in there. Okay, Doc. Uh, is, something tells me that next week's going to be a real, real interesting one because we may have Steph Curry games to talk about, and we should, we hope, have some Brock Purdy answers. Yeah, absolutely. A lot, yeah. lot going on in the Bay Area. Yeah. No doubt. All right, we'll talk to you then. Thank you, sir. No problem. Take care, guys. Okay, that's Doc Pandia, and the proceeding was sponsored by UCSF Health. I, I just don't know when it is I'm supposed to be concerned. Everything with Brock Purdy, the doctors will keep telling you, yeah, we're not in a problem spot yet. We're not in a problem spot yet. We're not in a pr- problem spot yet. Right. We, yeah, what? If this meeting doesn't go well Sunday, I mean, I guess that's when I would join the party. The concern party. The concern for Purdy yeah. party. Yeah. Yeah. A party if party, on a Sunday party. when they meet and they say, well, it's going to be another week or two, we still don't know, I think you're right. For me, the concern will start when he goes under under the knife and they do surgery and they realize, mm, Tommy John, that's when my concern well, then, will begin. Yeah. Because if he gets surgery before March 15th, then... He'll be back before September 15th in a six-month timeline. Maybe it's before then. And if the Niners can play two or three games without Brock Purdy, I think they can win those games depending on how the schedule shakes out. Yeah. Now, with all that said, you'd be interested to know what John Lynch said about Trey Lance yesterday. Uh, if you haven't already heard it. We'll have that for you next. Goo and JD are going to jump in here as well on Willard and Dibs. No more. What did I tell you, Cap? Now, back to Willard and Dibs on 95.7 The Game. So Stein is not here today, but I was just reading something that he sent me that he wrote uh, 11 years ago. About my cousin, Greg Willard. MatthewSteinmetz.com. Uh, MatthewSteinmetz.com. Two T's. The second T is not a typo. I feel like tweeting it out, though. It was really cool. First T capitalized. Uh, <laughs> just, but, no, it was about my cousin, Greg Willard, who, who was an NBA ref and, and passed away um, a little bit over a decade ago uh, from pancreatic cancer. It was very aggressive. Found out about it. And a year later, he was, he was gone. And... And uh, he wrote this prior to that all taking place and um, was just very, very complimentary about uh, who he was, not only as a person, as a ref, um, the presence, the way he carried himself, but also it was fun. Uh, As a writer, he was like, like, I'm guessing all this just based on watching games because I've never met him. I never met him, never talked to him. This is just kind of my sense of who Greg, that was his name, Greg Willard is and was. And uh, he was spot on. Spot on. Like Greg was, he was all the things that uh, that he seemed to be, and also had a great record as an NBA ref. So, I, one, I thought I would bring it up just to say if, if Matt's out there listening, and and I know that he's not, uh, but it, but uh, if he were, yeah. th- thanks, Matt. That was a really good uh, read, and I'm glad. I know you spent some time yesterday trying to find it because yeah. it's been a long time. But I also wanted to mention it to you because you know we don't hate all the refs. No, and I just appreciate most that. Of them. And this is where Steiny and I have always kind of had a great kinship because his father, Steiny's dad was a great high school official back in Pennsylvania, and Steiny, as a young kid, would follow his dad around to the big high school game. Sam Bowie, for example, was a high schooler, and he would go watch Sam Bowie play. And so Steiny has an appreciation for the officials much like I do. And it's cool that, that you took this opportunity when 
Steining's not here right, to compliment right. him. Yeah. That's pretty well, much on brand for both of you I don't think the I, feud continues. Did I compliment him? I thanked him. Yeah. No, yeah. You, you did say that what he wrote it was, was, it was spot on. It was good writing, yeah. Like, his sense of who Greg was as a ref and a person was was correct. Yeah, it's very like complimentary. Because I have been in the same room with Greg. I, I know him uh, very Probably well. better yes. than Steiny knows him. <laughs> Steiny never having well, then, spoken well, to him. Just a little bit. Little That's bit. cool, though, that he was able to fish that out and forward it to you. Very and, cool. And uh, also cool that... He wrote this piece not knowing that 11 years later he would become rivals and bitter enemies with totally. this official's cousin. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy how that works out life, sometimes. Life comes at you fast, It man. does, it, and it, you never know, really right? Does. Well, I think about you and I, because I've known you for Long probably time. a little bit longer than that, maybe 15 or so years. We and could look it up. The Final Four in Atlanta. Right. When Florida uh, had a layup line and beat UCLA, right? That was, that was it. That we were sitting up there in the booth watching the game, and and I think that yeah, that's when we first in met. The, uh, I believe the ox box, as Mike Silver refers to oh, it. Oh yes, the yes. auxiliary media. Yeah, radio people don't get no good seats. No, two thousand seven, Mark. Two thousand seven. So, so there it is. Yeah, sixteen years. because you know today is March, and you know your boy gets all excited when the calendar turns to March. The so. madness. So sixteen years. You but, better win me some money this March. Yeah, I was pretty good last year. Yeah, you I was were pretty good. Yeah, and I'll start. I'm going to start running the numbers as of today because conference tournaments are underway. I'll do a trial run for the system, and I'll have some picks for you here. Not before too long. Can't wait. Absolutely can't wait. And um, you know where I get my info. Ken Pop. Thank you. Yeah, I know. KenPom.com. You book that guy every day for the whole month of March. Uh, Ken yeah. Pom. And at the end of every answer he gives, just go. Ken Pop. Ken Pop. Yeah, Ken yeah. Pop. There yeah. It is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Spadon. Um, I'm getting pumped. All right. So, uh, Goo and JD are going to jump in here in a sec. Uh, big Warrior Day. Uh, I, I thought just an inspirational second half. All kinds of encouragement comes from their ability to look like that, especially without Steph and Andrew. And then Steph is going to be back soon per Woj. Sometime on this upcoming road trip, either Sunday, Tuesday, or Thursday, the chef should be back on the court. But because we were talking about this, I want to play this for y'all. Um, if you haven't heard it yet, Dibs, you tell me. What is John Lynch saying? What is John? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and then Trey's like, baby, don't hurt me. <laughs> totally. What is John Lynch saying about Trey Lance right here? I think his biggest thing, we just got to find a way. And I've had a lot of conversations with Trey early in my career. Struggled to stay healthy. And I hit an eight-year stretch where I didn't miss a snap. So sometimes you just got to go through that, you know, the rough patches. And, uh, you know, he, he's, he's got to play. And that's, that's, the, that's the, you know, the, the biggest challenge. We got a team that's ready to go now. He's got he's to get out there and play. Brock got that opportunity this year. He grabbed it. He did great things. You know, we'll see at some point, you know, how we get Trey that opportunity because we very much believe in who he is as a person uh, and who he is as a quarterback. What what stands out to you? Four words. He's got to play. He's got to play. Uh -huh. And that's, I mean, John Lynch, and I'm looking at John Lynch's career, and he, he overstated it. He missed one game as a rook. He played them all in his second year. He missed seven games his third year. After that, 16, 16, 15, 16, 16, 16, 15, 14, 15, 16, 16. The dude played. Yep. And so John knows that the number one ability is availability. And so what I heard him saying not that they've given up on Trey Lance, not that they're disappointed in Trey Lance in any way, shape, or form. What I heard him say is he's got to play. And if what that means is, yes, injuries happen and injuries are bad luck, but you got to get your body 
into a position. You got to get your mind right to a spot where you avoid injury as much as possible, and you've got to be able to be out there and play. If he can't go out there and play, none of us ever gets to find out if he's good enough. Okay, but there's a bigger question here. He's got to play, but you guys need to play him, Mm -hmm. right? They tried to. They did. Will they try again? Like, that was what stood out to me. Listen one more time to where this goes at the end. I think his biggest thing, we just got to find a way. And I've had a lot of conversations with Trey early in my career. Struggled to stay healthy. And I hit an eight-year stretch where I didn't miss a snap. So sometimes you just got to go through that, you know, the rough patches. And, uh, you know, he, he's, he's got to play. And that's, that's, the, that's the, you know, the, the biggest challenge. We got a team that's ready to go now. He's got he's to get out there and play. Brock got that opportunity this year. He grabbed it. He did great things. You know, we'll see at some point, you know, how we get Trey that opportunity because we very much believe in who he is as a person uh, and who he is as a quarterback. We'll see. At some point, how we can get Trey that opportunity. Yeah, I heard that. That's where my mind went. Because that sounds, that's lacking such definition. And again, it's not surprising. I'm not saying this is some sort of like epiphany about the 49er quarterback position. I think we all are under the impression that a healthy Brock Purdy is the presumptive starter right now for the 49ers at quarterback. But... Again, we're, we're less than two years away from moving heaven and earth to get this guy on your roster. And now here's the GM going, we'll see at some point. We'll figure it out. We'll find a way. Like, there, there just doesn't seem to be what, what, what I think we were all looking for, which is an excitement and an expectation of what he could be, and when it's going to be. And especially with Brock Purdy going under the knife, and I know they've got to be very careful about what they can say and all that. But it just, it did not have the vibe of, look, Brock's about to have surgery, and so here we go. At least for this offseason, it's freaking trade time, man. It had none of that. It was very just like, yeah. Well, he's lost the job. And he mentioned that. He said Brock Purdy got that opportunity, and he ran with it. But not in the off, this offseason, he hasn't lost the job. Like but you can't play me.